The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the power of water and your health. I am Sharon Kleina. I am the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, and my for well over two decades, I've been discovering and understanding what I will hope and encourage and I put several million dollars worth of investment toward learning more about dehydration of human life. Now, what that means every day for you to listen to and think about for yourself, you get up in the morning, your whole goal for all life from the beginning of birth is to understand why you're tired, what you need to eat, why you want to be happy, why are you sad, why are you confused, Why are your eyes blurry? Why are your eyes having trouble seeing? Why did you get the flu? I could go on and on and on. It's dehydration. Very unique and very individual. There has not been enough study on understanding on the education of dehydration. From the moment you were born, you left that pocket of water and you entered into the air you breathe. Can you imagine your individual trauma as a brand-new baby entering into a delivery room of no water. It hasn't been studied enough that I have found for you to be educated and understand. Now, the moment you entered into the air and the trauma began, no water around you that you'd had all that time, the skin begins to dry. The body begins to dry. You open your eyelid. The eye organ... Your two eyes are looking at the world from that moment on with the eyelid open with no skin over your eyes at that moment. Every time the eyelid is open, the skin is not over the eyes. That eye is living with the earth with no protection except for the tear film. There is a magic education there. You have over each eye a clear tear film. It has a lipid layer, aqueous water layer, that protects the proteins and water loss and provides you the ability to see and the mucin layer. If that is dry and the air is dry and there's not enough moisture coming from in the body, out of the body, from coming from the air, you become, the eyes become extremely dehydrated, go on overload because the eyes and the brain are connected in the, in the womb immediately at the same time. Now, the brain is 80% water. But the eyes are depending upon what's coming from the brain and from outside the eyes, moisture in the air called fluid that you cannot see. So if you're not drinking enough water, who's to blame? Just plain water, not iced tea, not the juice, not the formula with the water 
in it. It cannot, it's got to be plain water. Now, why is it that I think the power of water is so important? Some of the interesting things that are going on in our world, I have been watching the CBS 60 Minutes show for years. And last night again, they did it again. They brought up something we all have to learn. Now, Iraq's marshlands, the resurrection of Eden. Did you know that when, in 1991, when uh, forces left, Allied forces left Iraq at that time and left all of those people behind with Saddam Hussein, that he turned it into the Eden of hell because he went out into the marshlands and were upset with the people who were fighting him for their liberty, their freedom of worship and prayer and peace, to have integrity, respect, and dignity. He took away the water. Thousands of miles of water and marshlands, like something you'd never seen, you can see in Florida. He took five, year, he took five years to do it. And he took away the water. Can you imagine how many people died? With 3,000 square miles, he took away the water, and you can imagine the people who he died. He didn't have to go get the atomic bomb or do nuclear warfare again. He'd already did it once before, but he didn't. He took away the water subtly. So let's learn from water. It's been known around the world it could cause serious serious death. What's happening with the great, great migration over in Kenya? 60 Minutes again, traveled to witness in Kenya, one of the world's greatest natural spectacles. You can find it on the Internet. Of, of the species of animals, the largest species of animals on the planet that migrate to this location. The water, the river is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. There has no been no planning. And what would happen if that ecosystem would have all those species die? And they could. Go to the web and look up 60 Minutes Travels to Kenya to witness one of the world's greatest natural spectacles. Then they went to Iraq. Scott Pelley went to Iraq and for CBS and the restoration of Iraq's marshland. Guess what? Iraq's marshland gets to come back thanks to liberty and, and, and faith in the water and life on this earth. So let's stop and think about it when, as we learn more about our show. Our show will every week be announcing some new things for you to think about that maybe you had forgotten. You should be drinking 8 to 10 glasses of water if you want to fight the swine flu, if you want to have a good night's sleep. Be sure and drink a lot of safe water. Each week I have special guests coming on. They're professionals who leave their patients or a busy life to come and take time to teach us something new to maybe save our life or someone else's life. Let's learn from them. Listen closely. Be proactive. Maybe the national health insurance wouldn't be such a dilemma and cost us so much money by trillions of dollars if we all were more proactive about listening to shows like this and learning to take better care of ourselves and take the responsibility for ourselves. And don't blame someone else. Take responsibility for yourself. Today we have a special guest, Robert Littman. He's from Tucson, Arizona, 
and he's the founder of a certified and practi- certified practitioner of an institute, and I'll let him tell you how it's pronounced on a breathing methods and uh, the director of Asthma Free Arizona. I think there's something a lot to learn there. As do you know how to breathe? I found out I didn't know how to breathe once. Our second guest will be Becky Straw from New York. Becky is the director of water programs and charitywater.org, water programs and clean water. And will that be an interesting show too? We're going to listen to our sponsor from Biologic Aqua Research. They're the founders of Nature's Tears I Mist, the 100% natural therapy of water to moisturize the eyes, all natural. It is not an eye drop. It's the moisture the air is not giving you for for uh, eyes that are very dry and complaining of being blurring and red and maybe an allergy. We're going to listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Robert Littman. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Robert, are you with us? I'm right here, Sharon. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, I was really excited about this show because I have always understood, Robert, when people are born, at that trauma of no water around you, there's a new breathing technique that should be offered to the baby because they are not depending upon the bag of water. They're having to learn how to live in the air we're living in. And if there's not enough moisture or too much moisture, how do we breathe? Uh So uh, I'm I'm really proud of you for driving in and, and learning more about this, and I hope we can learn a lot today to teach our listeners. What, why did you decide to become a certified practitioner to learn to breathe? Well, when I look back at the history of my life, I was born in 1944 where they knew very little about um, Rh-negative mothers, and mm-hmm. I was actually you know, an Rh-negative baby allergic to my mother's blood, so I had no blood. that uh, My blood didn't really actually carry oxygen very well, so I spent wow. the first six weeks in the hospital getting transfusions so that I could even breathe at all. As a baby, a brand new baby. Brand new baby. And you know, Robert, before you moved there, um, I, many, many years ago, I, by the way, I was born in 1942. Uh-huh. Uh, I began to study something that we have not been taught, 
and research is not doing enough understanding for the rest of us to know that maybe they are researching it or they're not. Uh, I'm going to take. I'm going to make a statement. I think after my over two decades of studies, there's not enough research into dehydration of the body individually. Mm-hmm. It's a strange knee word called dehydration. Um, in the old world, they used to think your temperature had to go over 98. Oh, she's, they're dehydrating because the temperature is over 98. Well, then as I learned it, uh, my gosh, that's what happens the moment you're born is the dehydration of every individual is no two alike. When you were born, you had a hard time breathing. Mm-hmm. And you're, you found, uh, what did research find then? Uh, that what The treatment you received, how did they help you with that? With that well, particular that treatment particular time, far back? At that particular time, they had to give me transfusions to uh, replace all the blood in my body with the kind of blood that was actually healthier and would carry, um, would carry oxygen. So I was very fortunate at that time because my doctor's brother was a blood specialist. If it hadn't been for him, I wouldn't have survived. They didn't know very much back then. But the interesting thing is I do live in Tucson, Arizona, where you know it is very, very dry yeah, and yeah. very easy to dehydrate. And the interesting thing about it is one of the major ways that people do dehydrate is through their breathing if they don't breathe properly. Exactly, and that's why I was so excited to hear you. And I want you to think, listeners, today. You dehydrate even further because of your not breathing properly. Of course, not drinking enough water is number one. Now, tell us, Robert, uh, today, you know, there's, uh, I've had so many wonderful uh, people on here, from scientists from every background you can imagine, and I've had an individual from NASA who's with the Geological Survey as research, but he was saying, Sharon, that moisture in the air you talk about all the time is called the fluid of the air. And as you know, Robert, if the person's living indoors and they're going outdoors or living in desert conditions, is the dehydration is even more of a challenge. People have to learn to live being indoors, outdoors, and where the geography of where they're at. How did you learn to live in, in Arizona after the original symptoms of your birth? Well, um, I did have asthma, and my work with my own body work practice and movement practice and then learning the Pateco breathing method has basically changed my life. The Pateco breathing method that I went to New Zealand to learn seven years ago. Now, you pronounce that Buteco. Yeah, like like in the Halloween, Buteco. It's actually... B-U-T-E-Y-K-O. Right. It's it, Buteco. Buteco, right. And it was Buteco, Buteco, breathing method. Yeah, and it was interesting that if you, uh, you may not be aware of this, Sharon, but uh, Jane Brody of the New York Times on November 2nd wrote a very favorable article on the Buteco method, and she uh, prefaces the article, I never write about alternative treatments, but she had a very a good friend who was uh, asthmatic and actually was allergic to his medications and learned the method and no longer has, uses medications or has any of the symptoms. So, okay, teach us what buteco breathing is. Well, buteco breathing actually is named after Dr. Konstantin uh, Buteco. So it is, he was a Russian and doctor. He lived, and he lived in New Zealand? He, no, he actually lived in Russia. He, was okay. part of, he lived in Moscow, and he mm-hmm. was part of, he was a scientist and a, and a um, and doctor, and one of the things that tweaked his interest in it was that when he was doing his residency in critical care, the thing that he noticed, and this should be interesting to your listeners, is people who got sick and didn't breathe easily and effortlessly often didn't recover in the ICU. Exactly. They wouldn't. They I wouldn't. Know that. No, and people who did breathe easily 
did recover from their illness. Now, I'm going to ask you, and, and this is only a show for education and research studies and ongoing studying forever, ever, ever. Um, I've often wondered in my mind, uh, Robert, if that's also something to do with um, um, when they go into comas, if they haven't thought enough of what to do before they get to that point or get too deep into it, if they haven't to do something to keep that breathing uh, getting oxygen to the brain. It's possible. I mean, one of the things just we're circling around a lot of is different issues, which we can, they're um, all important. The two that I'm remembering from what we're talking about here is one thing in terms of answering your question about Arizona in terms of, hydra- de- uh, terms of hydration and dehydration is that one of the, the most essential ways of using your breath is to use your nose for breathing and not your mouth. Right. That you breathe through your mouth as often as you eat through your nose. We're fond of saying in particular, which is pretty much just Mm -hmm. about never unless you're in a fight or flight situation. Mm -hmm. But we we take approximately 20,000 breaths per day if we're breathing Mm -hmm. relatively easily. Mm -hmm. And if you're well hydrated, your mucous membranes in your nose will add to the incoming air into your nose approximately one liter of water to the air as you breathe in. So your lungs are being constantly moisturized through your breath if you use your nose for breathing. Now, you just said something, and because uh, I've been in research this forever, I feel like I'm a thousand years old, Robert. <laughs> There's so much to learn, and anybody who tells me they know enough, I think, oh, my God, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> so we've got to learn this forever. When you said if the person is hydrated enough, what happens if the person only drinks four glasses of water a day and they think that's enough? What happens with the breathing, with the fluid coming from the air to the nose? Does it have to go on overload? Well, yeah, what will happen basically is rather than the, mo- the lungs and the airways feeling moisturized by the air itself, yeah. it will start to feel dried out. and what Very overloaded. Well, and the overload will then be that it will have to produce mucus, there we go. Keep the airways moist. And Thank then you. Personally. There we go with an idea for research because common sense. It's uh, Now, let's say the person is well hydrated and they drink 8 to 10 glasses of water throughout a 24-hour period, and the fluid that they're breathing in through the nose becomes a nature to... Uh, it's almost like you just said, a hydration because it's bringing in... You said how much? A liter of water? It'll add, it'll add a liter of water to the incoming air, uh-huh. and it will recapture a half of that liter on the way out if you breathe out through your nose. Okay, so it's moisture in, moisture out. That's right. If you breathe out through your mouth, as some of your listeners will probably know, if they wake up in the morning with a very dry mouth, they've been sleeping with their mouth open all night long, it's completely dried out. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'm, I, my research, I like Dr. Batman Jelly, who wrote The Body's Many Cries. I have before. to. And yeah. he talks about people having, you know, half their body by the weight way, I need in to ounces. Tell you. I right, talked to him once. And if you drink coffee and black tea, well, those yeah. are diuretics, so you have to replace those. Yeah. Uh, place that water that you use, that you're dehydrating with. Yes. Because of the diuretic effect of the coffee and the tea. Right. Or, you know, a lot of people, uh, and I need to tell you real quick, I talked to the doctor way back in time when I was researching, and he was so kind to return my call, and I was brand new at this research, and he said, oh, my gosh, Sharon, your future is so big. Mm. Um, Since then, I've had on the show, since he passed away, I've had uh, an individual who oversees his books and his information. But back to that description uh, of the fluid in, fluid out, 
moisture in, moisture out. Mm-hmm. You know, what have in your research, did you notice what I've been studying is the indoor conditions are horrible, Robert. Well, they are. I mean, forced You know, where they're putting millions and billions of dollars into outdoor research, into pollution and environment. Why don't they put a little bit of money in first into the indoor conditions for people to live healthier? Well, that's true. I mean, we need to have green office buildings, green homes, not so much formaldehyde and dried air. Well, what about the insulated windows and walls? No no moisture in the air. No, which was for another reason to be hydrated and to use your nose for breathing because you can take care of yourself. We can learn to do. You know, Robert, what you're teaching us, too, is that word. A proactive person who cares about their gift of life as a person, don't compare yourself to someone else, just you, the person, there's so much to learn, and yeah, um, people and like yourself can teach us. Yeah, and that's one of the major things about the Bateco breathing method. When you talk about enough oxygen to the brain, one of the things that most people don't realize is that what controls the movement of oxygen, once you've even breathed it in and it goes into the blood, is your carbon dioxide levels, which, you know, as soon as I say that, most people don't understand that because they think that's a waste gas. But if you think of somebody who's having a hyperventilation attack or a panic attack and they breathe into a paper bag, they're breathing back their own carbon dioxide. Hey, we're going to take a break with our sponsor, and we're going to come back and discuss that brain and that paper bag because you're right. Um, that's something for people to learn some common sense, Robert. We're going to be right back. Sure. Uh, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the all-natural method of moisturizing the eyes with natural moisture that the air is not giving you that enough fluid. For the eyes, it's not just the breathing. The eyes have to have that breath of moisture. Nature's Tears Eye Mist will listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Robert, we were talking to our audience about carbon dioxide, mm-hmm. oxygen to the brain, and then you mentioned something with a example of the paper bag. And, and, and listeners, you need to understand is the moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathe, you became no two, there was no two eyes alike, no two complexions alike, uh, skins, and the, no two fingerprints alike. So we're all so unique with this dehydration. Uh, Robert, 
when you were talking about uh, oxygen to the brain and the carbon dioxide, explain that to them, and then let's go to the paper back. Well, the brain the brain is the most active organ in the body and needs the most nourishment. And oxygen. it's right behind the eyes. Right, and not oxygen is the primary Connected nourishment, the much as water is important mm-hmm. as breathing. Uh, and, excuse me, as water, breathing is mm-hmm. actually a little bit more important than uh, than the water intake, because we know we can't live three minutes without breath, three days without water, three weeks without food. Mm-hmm. Um, so the brain needs the most, and so it's asking for the most oxygen as it comes in. And the interesting thing about that is that we all can recognize at a logic level that we all have blood gases, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon dioxide, and they must be in balance. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that we need to have our carbon dioxide levels in balance with the oxygen levels in their right proportions is that carbon dioxide controls the release of oxygen from the blood to all organs, including the brain. So when carbon dioxide levels are low because somebody is breathing out of their mouth, then oxygen distribution slows down. Mm-hmm. And so the brain gets foggy, it gets forgetful. You go from one room to the next and you don't Probably remember why. The you, eyes. It affects mm-hmm. the eyes, it gives you headaches. Nasal and, passages become dry. That's right, and swollen and polyps. And if you don't, and if you overbreathe or get into a place where you're hyperventilating, then your brain starts to shut down because then it starts to get no oxygen at all because when somebody hyperventilates, they usually do it through their mouth and they're giving off a lot of carbon dioxide and then people faint. And so the folk remedy for that too... Well, the extreme is you faint, but sometimes you're, in, uh, you're not lucky enough to get the warning sign. No, but like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, all, I hate to say that, but it's true. We you all remember we, Marie Osmond passed out on Dancing with the Stars because she was hyperventilating after she danced. Uh-huh, I see. And, um, so basically what the paper bag is about is it's an old folk remedy if somebody is about losing is getting dizzy say mm-hmm. they will put a paper breathe into a paper bag and they breathe back their own carbon dioxide which helps release the oxygen back to the brain mm-hmm. and they wake up it's the same thing as artificial respiration i give people my exhale i give them a lot more carbon dioxide and it helps to uh distribute the oxygen so the person can wake back up again. Now, when a person is breathing, let's, let's, I know we're on the radio, right. and we're going to have to do this with people's imagination, thinking as they hear. Sure. When they, a person goes to breathe in, their mouth is closed. That's right. And then they breathe in through the nasal passages with a... And then how long do you hold? Well, you don't actually hold. I mean, that's one oh. of the things that I think that's really interesting that you said earlier is that everybody's born with a very particular, everybody's unique. Yes, and they are. Bre- and breathing is unique. There are no two breaths that are the same because breathing is meant to match your metabolic activity. So if you oh, my gosh, a- let's back up and say this again. Okay, breathing. Okay, we're going to add some research to this breathing now. There, uh, that makes sense. Uh, you know, when you're born, audience, uh, there's no two eyes alike, no two skins on the complexion alike, no two fingerprints alike, and more, many more and more things. You're so unique, and there's no two breathings then. Um, what is the finding behind that? So I could, before we go on, that we can understand that one. Well, let's say you have a thought that excites you. You know, like, oh, I'm going to go to an amusement park this afternoon, and I've been looking forward to going to that for a long time, and you remember that, and you get excited. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing you'll notice is that your breathing rate starts to increase. So when you get excited and you have more activity going on in your brain, you breathe a little bit more. If you're about ready to go to sleep and you're tired and you're resting and you've been meditating or reading a quiet book, 
and then you check your breathing, you'll notice you're breathing very quietly. So depending on your activity and your thinking activity, your emotional activity. Your I'm going to bring something up that's going to be kind of an interesting future thought and focus on maybe some further research. When a person is sitting at a computer all day and they're doing all of this computer work and their tension and their focus and they're staring at the computer, they're in a dry room area, and have you ever noticed how a person is hardly breathing? Usually they're holding their breath. Thank you. And then they decided they want to play the computer games or get more intense and make it even more uh, of an adventure. Can you imagine? Because they're, they're, they do believe, Robert, that in time that the disability with using a computer will be out of control. And can you imagine government health care then um, during that period of time when people are able to go on disabilities by the thousands in time because they didn't realize the computer is causing an enormous amount of problems to your eyes, carpal tunnel, tensions, and I would bet research will prove they're not breathing correctly either. There should be some breathing exercises to their training and on the computer too for health. Yeah, well, when they're stressed like that, they... Um... They, they will breathe faster and longer, and then they'll lower their CO2s and get more like get less oxygen to their body, and so they'll be oxygen-starved. But the other thing is that I think is worth noting is that when your listeners try this, if they sit quietly and breathe through their nose, they'll notice that there's a certain state of relaxation. And then as soon as they open their mouth to breathe, they'll notice they actually feel, you know, agitated. And so mouth breathing... Agitated. Ad, mouth yes. breathing stimulates the fight-or-flight response. Now that's called what? The fight-or-flight response. Fight-or-flight response. In yes. other words, the energy, the oxygen, is either d- trying to decide, what are you trying to do here? Are you going to take me on a flight, or are you going to take me down? Well, you are. You are basically, what fight-or-flight means is, is my life threatened? So I'm breathing okay, in, yeah. is my life threatened? Is and that's not you thinking, that's your subconscious doing that with the oxygen. That's my autonomic nervous system doing that. As soon as okay. I breathe through my mouth, it triggers a fight-or-flight and therefore, I increase my breathing rate, my heart rate. Increases. Now, Robert, you know, I, this, I've been in research for a long time, and, oh, I am not a smart person. I have to study like I've been carrying books as long as you can remember and studying as long. And I interview people from all over the world for years. You know, stress has become out of control, Robert. Yes, it has. Now, years and years and years ago, something a lot of people don't know, and the news media has heard it when I've been interviewed, but... I started my research on concerns of what was happening with stress. In other words, if I said, boo, how you reacted. If I said, you're going to be happy, how you reacted. Uh, and then the other one I started studying is, if you believe that happiness is, can be accomplished, but maybe you're vulnerable to other people around you who are not. Mm-hmm. So then you become subjected to that vulnerability. And what you're teaching me today and many of us is, Something that should be really studied. Now, t- tell me the difference between uh, what you're teaching us and biofeedback. Um, it's interesting. They're, they're very similar in a way because basically what you're learning about is how to use your breath to calm your nervous system. Okay. And biofeedback's doing the same thing with heart rate and breath rate. So Exactly. Yeah. Do you know a lot of people's lives have been saved with other symptoms of maybe not stress, uh, of other serious symptoms, and they were able to live long lives and deal with the medications with their training with biofeedback. So you're saying that your institute with learning to ble- breathe and learning if you have asthma or 
What about diabetics? Have you been doing any, any teaching with we diabetics? We do work with diabetics, and diabetics also benefit from actually yes. having being more well oxygenated than not. What about, you know, I'm studying here today now. We're going to go forward just with out loud thinking is all. What about if a person has dementia, the early signs of dementia? Have they been coming in? Well, I personally am in agreement with you. I think the early signs of dementia have to do with dehydration. I do, too. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll tell you one recently for further studies and out loud thinking. is uh, I had a special guest, and uh, the special guest has been passed away, and we got into, and she writes many books, and we got to talking about drinking water, and, and she mentioned, Robert, you know, Sharon, my husband got to the point he couldn't remember what he was asking for and one time he said he's hungry and and she said she handed him the cracker and he no 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 he didn't want that cracker and she thought huh he said he was hungry all of a sudden she hand, uh, he looked pointed to something the glass he had an instinct he was thirsty mm-hmm. and she said Sharon I'm wondering and and it's just a wonder Robert now let's say we learn how to breathe because if what if what if the air we're learning to breathe in is too dry? Mm-hmm. Because that's another thought. Like indoor conditions are one of my pet peeves. I, I think that long ago when they got very energy conscious and wanted to save us more money then, when they created the insulated windows and walls, and, and all of the, uh, uh, the, the came with the artificial heating, lighting, everything that came with it, it's a dry pit indoors. Well, and it doesn't have a. It doesn't. You lose your actual biological rhythms. There's no environmental feedback uh, that's biological. It's all industrial. So the body is being man-made, robbing you of your of your breath. Yeah, very much so. I, I you know it's the first time I said that one out loud like that. But now, what are some of the things you want to teach us today? We're going to get up in the morning and we're going to learn to breathe through our nose more commonly during the day. Now, is that an exercise we should stop and do or just learn to do it all day long and make it a new habit? Yes, I think so. And part of what we say in class right off, the, the first thing you need to learn is become observant of your breathing. So every once in a while, you just want to notice what does your breathing do? Not whether you should, are breathing correctly or not, just notice. And what you want to notice is are you using your mouth for breathing or are you using your nose for breathing? Mm-hmm. If you find you're using your mouth for breathing, try to switch over to your nose to using your nose for breathing and oftentimes it's it's easier to you don't want to stress your nose either by trying to take a lot of people think they need more air than they do is what i want to say Mm -hmm. and so they take a big breath through their nose and say well see i can't get that much air in through our nose Mm -hmm. but we only use a half a liter of breath we have six liters in our lungs we only use a half a liter most of the time during the Mm -hmm. day when we're you know not doing some exercise so we don't need much air. So we need to be gentle when we breathe through our nose. It's a very delicate organ. And so breathing easily through the nose is a beginning step on allowing yourself to get healthier for, mm-hmm. for one. And you do that as, free, as much as you can until you feel like it's maybe too stressful. And then you mm-hmm. just maybe, if you have to, take a mouth breath, but then go back to nose breathing. So the most important piece is to become observant of how you're using your breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. My goodness, uh, I tell you, we, we have a few more minutes left. Now, let's say, uh, what, do you, what would you say to your asthma and individuals with asthma to learn how to do this? Because that is a, oh, so I bet it really is hard to breathe when you have had have asthma. 
Well, yeah, it is hard to breathe, and I, you know, there's no easy solution, Sharon. That's what the Bateco method is so wonderful about. It's a eight-hour program, and by the time an asthmatic leaves the program over a five-day period of eight hours of instruction, they really do know how to use their nose for breathing and how to stop asthma attacks when they have them without using their medications. Mm-hmm. In some cases, um, the bigger, the other big thing, just to talk about this in a moment, is culturally, in terms of what you've been talking about, indoor environment, is the pressure for everybody to have a flat stomach. So people hold their stomachs in, and one of the things that's really important about breathing is the belly has to be soft for you to be able to get enough breath in in the first place. Mm-hmm. So if you go around holding your stomach in because of some idea about how you're supposed to look, it becomes very deleterious for the process of breathing. So sitting easily with your back straight, kind of not, not holding yourself up, but not using the back of the chair and sitting on your sit bones, on your, on your pelvis, and letting your belly be soft will help greatly to letting the breath be much easier. What about individuals with anorexia or eating disorders then? Um, they're not getting, they're obviously, they're going through almost a life and death issue just with breathing. Well, that's true too, and we also find a lot that people who are overweight often learn when they can, when they need less breath than they're using, they also start to learn about regulating their food intake. And so, lots of people who learn how to breathe properly also learn how to lose weight. So, anorexics another story altogether. But mm-hmm. overweight people definitely improve their weight issues if they start to take breathing more seriously and drinking a lot of good water. Yes, because that's really true. What you said earlier. Lots of times we lose our ability to te- tell when we're thirsty or not. We think we're hungry and we're really thirsty. You know, uh, Robert, I, I've been studying water for probably 30 years, and uh, and I found myself, I have to stop to remind myself during my busy, very, very busy days, drink a, a glass of water an hour. Yeah. Try to get as much as I can um, to keep or keep it around me. Uh, we're all human and we'll forget. Well, and, I like filling up, the, you know, if I'm supposed to take 80 ounces a day, I like filling up containers that have, you know, a couple of bottles that are 80 ounces, and by the end of the day, you know, I should have finished those those bottles. That's how well, I also, keep... Robert, one little clue here to help you uh, is to, I was studying the bo- the water in a bottle. Put it in a glass when you can. Yeah. Because then you're not getting air in, when you're pulling right. it up into them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got one minute left. Let's leave our, our listeners with absolutely a life. Hopefully, this is a absolutely life-saving new technique they're learning. Uh, you've got one minute. Here's the last tip is that you pace yourself so that you can breathe through your nose all the time. If you find yourself moving so quickly that you have to open your mouth to breathing, you can't. You must shift your activity level to something slower so that your nose and your breathing can catch up with you. Do not override your, your breathing ability by using your mouth to breathe. Slow your activity down. Even an exercise can be done uh, to use your nose for breathing all the time. Pace yourself so you can use your nose for breathing all the time. Now the website is www.breathable. No, no, the breathable body. Breathable body. Dot com. Dot com. So it's what now again? The breathable body. Dot com. The breathable body. Dot com. Uh, and Listeners I also have go to learn how to do it, and you'll be there to help them if they have any questions. Right, and also the other website just quickly is Asthma Free Arizona. Dot com. Both websites will give you the information you need and can contact okay. me through there. Thank you so much for your help. I think that was a life-saving tip today. All right. Thank you, Sharon. Okay. You have a nice day down there. It's a beautiful state. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, listeners, we're going to learn to breathe through our noses, and you're going to do that throughout the day, and it's going to be a new habit. If you're sitting there at the computer 
breathe through the nose. Don't breathe through the mouth. If you're doing any traveling, if you're a truck driver, if you're traveling uh, on the plane, remember if you're not breathing correctly, you're not going to get enough oxygen or carbon dioxide. Stop to think. Use your common sense. Be proactive about how, what, how healthy you want to be. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, because I know there's not enough moisture in the air for us to breathe, uh, for our eyes to breathe, and that's why there is Nature's Tears Eye Mist for that natural method of moisturizing the tear film for an everyday, all day with no preservatives, not an eye drop, no chemicals, all natural. Well, listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Becky Straub. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. <laughs> Hello? Yes, hi. Hello, I'm sorry, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can hear you. Wonderful. Okay, Becky, it's nice to have you on. It's great to be on. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, now tell us how long you've been doing uh, their, your uh, mission on water. Yes, well, Charity Water has been around for just over three years. Uh-huh. So we're pretty new as a nonprofit, and we work to bring water to people in developing countries. Okay, now where do you get your funding? We get our funding mainly from individuals. Um, it's been really exciting. We are very grassroots, so we have um, raised just over $12 million from 60,000 individuals. Mm-hmm. So those are people that are giving less than $200. Okay, so how do you go about uh, achieving your um, your income there? Do you put it on the web, or do you go out and ra- do special events? Yes, a little bit of both. We are very web-based. Uh-huh. So we have a website, charitywater.org. If you go there, you can see all the various ways that people have gotten involved and understood more about the water crisis and how they can be part of it. So people um, can go onto our website, and there's a special button called mycharitywater.org. And okay. that's for people to sign up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, what are you doing with your money? Where is it going? Our money is going right now to 16 developing countries. 600% of our funds go to support local organizations to implement water solutions. So is there something on the web so people can come in if they're going to contribute to it, which I'm sure we have listeners who would love to contribute if they knew where the money was going? Yes. So 100% of the money goes to um, local organizations. So you can go to www.charitywater.com. Okay, so when you say local organizations, that's in those 16 uh, uh, countries? Exactly. Instead of replicating the work, we'd like it to be done by local organizations who really understand communities. So you go in and explain that to us. Uh, You go into, let's say you go into Kenya? Which yes. countries do you go in? What are the countries you're Ken- going to? So 16, mainly in sub-Saharan Africa, so 11 in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh-huh. So let's say we'd go into Kenya, and what we do is we find exemplary partners that have been implementing water solutions for years. Okay. And we supply 100% of the funds to them to implement those solutions that are appropriate to the communities. Okay, so um, Becky, when you go into the community, which person in the community do you select is, has the knowledge and the expertise to be able to give them that money? It is the local, the NGO. So we work with um, registered nonprofit organizations. Okay, and what's their funding. qualifications to understand? Uh, what, sure. What, are like they the mayor? Or are they engineer? The... Exactly. Okay. So they, I mean, it's, we're supplying uh, partner organizations with funding. Okay, partner. Okay, when you're saying I've been in this for so long, so I have some really good questions. Yeah, Um, great. So when you go into partner organizations into a particular city, give us one particular one that sticks out in your mind that you know of and how much money did they receive? Oh, one particular organization? Yeah, or unless I didn't mean to say that in a community of which, uh, and, and let's say you've gone into Africa, one yeah. in a place in Africa that you know you've got, they've gone and has done some work, and, and how much money did your organization give them? Oh, that's a really good question. So we, our local partners pick the areas of greatest need. So okay. I could talk about, I was just in Kenya, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. Okay. So in Kibera slum, we have one huge borehole. Okay. And it's bringing water to um, thousands of people every day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and that, your, your uh, organization funded the water or the... Uh, the water, the, sanitation, and hygiene. Okay. The wa- and how much money did you support it with at that spot? That was $45,000. $45,000. Wow, that's So wonderful. that was an expensive system, but uh-huh. so far it has um, given over 1 million jerry cans worth of water. So... That's mm-hmm. thousands of people, 2,000 people every day. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Now, you know uh, that, that there's an enormous amount of children dying every year uh, all over the world, not, even, yeah. and not just in Africa, right. in other countries, even in our country, that don't have enough water. Yeah. And they're not being taught the education. Have you ever stopped to think, and I know you're so new at this, I have, you know, all over the world we think about there is a crisis, uh, Becky, of water. I put millions and millions and millions of my own money and other money came in, but I put millions of this into this also myself. Now, when you stop and think about the crisis of water, and without it there is no life, it's like, I don't know, you probably didn't hear me, but I started the show today with uh, 60 Minutes last night had a, a story about yes, what Saddam Hussein that. did. And, you know, if you want, you don't have to land any nuclear attacks. You don't have to come in and ambush other than take the water away or make sure they don't have healthy water. 
Right, sure. Exactly. I mean, and you can see that in Darfur. Um, different yeah. rebel camps will pollute now, other villages. Now, have you been over to the Kenya area where the migrant an- the animals are all uh, you know subjected to the river is depleting and there's not enough water and it's the largest migration of animals on the earth in Kenya. And right. if, they, if that river gets much lower, they're gonna, they said, too, these elephants and zebras and all of these animals and tigers, and you can imagine in your mind going to a small zoo and, and thinking of that by thousands of acres, but that would need lots of the river to flow, and right. the river is depleting, and all of a sudden there's not enough water, and they, they could die. No, that's a, that's a very real possibility, I know. So now what have you learned are some of the things I've noticed on one of your pieces of literature, which I just loved it, by the way, audience. It says, will the beautiful women of the world please stand up? I oh, noticed that uh, that is just beautiful. What, did, what, do you re- what were they thinking? What was I thinking? Well, what was, it was the organization, because your company, uh, your charity water organization has this on a flyer. It says, yeah. will the beautiful women of the world please stand up? What was behind that? Yes, so uh, that was when I was traveling in Uganda. Mm-hmm. I met an amazing woman named Helena Pio. Is that who, her, the lady on the cover? The lady on the cover, exactly. Oh. And so she came up to me and was just ecstatic um, upon learning that you know we had helped with part of the financing for the water project and told me this beautiful story about how happy she was just to have clean water because most of her day was spent just with two jerry cans, which is about 40 liters of water, just waiting in line all day with thousands of other women in order to try and get access to clean water. Now, did they go to a stream or a pond, or uh, where did they go before you arrived to give them their uh, miracle? Where did she go get her water before she said to stand in line? Water point available. Pardon? So she um, refused to go to the swamp that um, okay, many others seem to go to because they just can't wait any longer. Okay. Okay, so, so that's when you made possible. The, but when she came to stand in line, was that before you made it possible the water, or had she stood exactly. in line before that? Exactly. So before that she had um, water in her village, she would go and travel to another village. Um, there we go. A um, few kilometers off, so it would take about you know just an hour and a half to get there, and then oh. it would have to wait in line for hours. So she said she used to think about all the ways that, or what she would do if she, um, how she could use this water. Should she garden with it? Should she drink this water? Beautiful Should she woman. Prepare a meal for her family, or uh-huh. wash clothes so her children can go to school. Her children are missing school because if your uniform isn't clean, you'd be sent home. Oh. So she. Um, Needless to say, you know, got um, water in her village and is now the treasurer of her water committee, which means she goes around and collects nominal fees from the other households and other to ma- maintain the water point and to keep uh-huh. it clean. That's interesting. It's a first and time. She just, That's a good one. Uh, so she is what you call like the mayor of the water in the community to make sure they don't forget the responsibilities of making sure that water is taken care uh, is protected. Absolutely. So you need okay. to make sure it's kept clean and safe okay. and that you keep it away from children and animals and keep parts greased so that it continues oh. to pump water. Oh. So that was now her job. And so she, before, you know, a few months ago, she was standing in line mm-hmm. waiting for water all day. And now mm-hmm. she, you know, has time to grow a garden and, you oh. know, her kids are going to school. And yeah, cause she's more children now a leader in the community. Water. Yes. Exactly. 
A lot of people don't understand, Becky, that if there's not water, that the children help the mother to go get that water every day, and uh, they cannot attend the school. Uh, They're too busy trying to supply water for life uh, to survive. Is there some other things you'd like to teach us? We have about a minute and a half left. No, I would just love for everyone to go to our website at Mm charitywater.org and learn all the ways that you can get involved and support Mm -hmm. water needs around the world. It's currently the second largest killer of children under five. And after I was in uh, Sierra Leone on Friday and just meeting with all the children that had you know, mentioned that they had lost siblings because mm-hmm. of drinking bad water. Well, and, and it also cholera was heartbreaking. Becky, so I hope fact, everyone can help. If they don't have water, they don't have sanitation. It's just true. It can wash the hands. Or, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real it's sad a cycle. crisis all over the world. Well, thank you but for your time. there is solution, so thank you so much. You're welcome. You have a nice day, Becky. You too. Mm-hmm. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, as you're learning, water is a crisis. It's a crisis in the ground. It's a crisis on top of the ground. There's not enough of it on top of the ground. And a lot of times we find that you do not have enough moisture in the air. The fluid you must breathe in, breathe out moisture, breathe in moisture, breathe out moisture, if there's not enough moisture in the air. And we learn that indoor conditions are very seriously dry. So learn to be proactive and what you must do to be better for healthier for, for you. Now, I'm going to mention today something with the swine flu. Now, the swine flu is going around, and we're all aware of the normal flu that takes thousands and thousands of lives a year, just the normal flu. But we're learning now we have another one called the swine flu, H1N1 flu. I have some tips. Yes, wash your hands frequently, and if you're going to use the sanitizers, be sure and rinse them well, too, with the water as you're washing your hands so you don't keep that film on there and your hands get too dry because that will defeat the purpose if you get too dry. The other one is get plenty of sleep. Learn how to go to bed at night to relax and try your breathing in through the nose and bringing out through the mouth breathing exercises as you leave, live, pardon me, as you lay there. Drink 8 to 10 glasses of water. Try to drink a glass of some size every hour so that you're during the 24-hour period, but if you're sleeping, have one before you go to bed. If you should get up in the middle of the night, have a glass of water and breathe in, breathe out. Learn what you eat is so important to also dehydration. Stay away from a lot of sugar during periods of time when you know there's viruses and allergies and common colds going around. I want to thank you for listening today. At the end of the show, every week I mention Earth Has Secrets, Embrace yourself, your life, every precious second, moment. Earth whispers, though. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave your footprint behind. Learn as much as you can so that you will also be a part of this life that people will never forget. I want to thank you for listening. Be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 